0: Hey, we're uh, going to take uh, another little piece of Hebrews chapter 12, and we've been talking about this race that we're running because this is not our home. And uh, from the time we're born again to the time he brings us home, man, um, we're, we're in a race uh, not against each other. uh, But it's a race against this world. It's a race against all the enemies that we have in this world, Uh, meaning the world system, the devil, and our own flesh desires that we have that aren't and uh, don't go along with what God's desires are. And, And he's left us here to represent him. He's left us here as the green on your shirts. I see Mac's shirt and Gary's shirt and everybody's shirts back here. The green is so that as we go through um, this life Tom shirt right there. We have the green so that as we go through this life in his power and in his presence and seeing it from his perspective um, we we go through this broken world, but we do it his way and we watch things succeed We watch things supernaturally happen and then that happens It makes us grow more in love with him and as we grow more in love with him We grow more in love with him uh, with each other right and so um, how many of y'all have ever seen God takes some really tough things and through his power and through his presence and seeing it from his perspective. How many of you seen him do something supernatural that's made you fall more in love with him? Anybody can testify to that right on. That's it. It's there If we'll just take it for that. But when we try to make this place our home and this is what it's all about, man, what a dismal life it is. Now, again, I'm not saying that you don't enjoy this life. Man, I'm digging this life as much as anybody here. I had a blast with all y'all on the boat yesterday. Who was on the boat with me yesterday? Yeah, man, who went out paddleboarding with me this week? Got a few people, man. Man, we did a lot of cool things and we're we're digging it, but this is not my home. Heaven is my home. And uh, so in following this Hebrews chapter 12, God kept burning this little saying in my head and in my heart all week. It says, practice what you preach so you can preach what you practice. And I want to talk about that a little bit. How many of you ever heard somebody say, practice what you preach, right? You, How many of y'all ever said that about a preacher? Wish that preacher practiced what he preached, right? Y'all ever had fried preacher for lunch, right? You know what I'm saying? Wish he'd practiced what he preached. And how many of y'all ever felt that way about a Christian? Be honest. Wish he'd practice what he preached. Why? Because when somebody preaches one thing that is righteousness... That's what, what are we supposed to preach as believers? Help me out. Chris, what are we supposed to preach as believers? Righteousness. Righteousness. What else? Carl, what are we supposed to preach? Resurrection. resurrection. The resurrection power. What else are we supposed to preach? Right. Faith. Faith. And the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that this isn't our. Nina, what are we supposed to preach? Salvation. Yes, all these things. And, and just even as Destiny, uh, I think, was preaching up here just a minute ago about Romans eight twenty eight. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And that calling is going to make us more like Christ. But how many of y'all ever been around a sour pickle sucking face Christian before? <laughs> Someone looks like they've been sucking on sour pickles going through life like, you know. Anybody ever been around a Christian that way? Any of y'all ever look in a mirror and see one? Yeah, we're all there sometimes, man. And so, again, we're supposed to be preaching this good news. That's what the gospel means. It's good news. Your sins that you can't pay for are paid for. And if you surrender yourself to Christ, you can have a home in heaven. And he's going to give you a new life while you're here, a life that desires righteousness. And he's going to give you grace, which is the desire and ability to do the right thing while you're here. And you can't muster that junk up in the flesh. And so we're supposed to be preaching that. But our in our position in Christ is that. But what we practice in real life should match what our position is. We should be living this. Man, we shouldn't be whining and complaining and fussing. And How many of y'all ever asked somebody how they were doing? You ever ask somebody how they're doing and they, 5, 10, 15 hours later, no, I'm just minutes (laughs) later. It felt like hours, didn't it? You probably are saying, yeah, that's you, Pastor, because I've done that to y'all before. If I'm having a rough day, oh, yeah, you you know, man, you quit asking that person how they're doing, don't you? (laughs) You know, that's not what somebody who's full of the good news should have. Now, I'm not saying we can't wine and we can't pray with each other and sometimes we've got to let it out but who's one person that always wants to hear everything we've got to say and don't point to your wife or husband that ain't true you you always want to hear what Gary has to say oh yeah you're (laughs) now you're just lying in church no I'm just messing with you (laughs) I'm messing with you but but seriously don't we as people man we love each other but you can only take so much of that Who's the only one that always wants to hear it? God. God. And we develop. Sometimes I think God lets that junk happen in our life just to get us on our knees and on our face. So we'll talk to him and quit neglecting our relationship with him. But the world wants to see us practice what we preach. And here's what happens, man. We're supposed to be preaching righteousness. And if we're not practicing that righteousness, what we're preaching, what's the H word for that? Hypocrite. Hypocrite hypocrite i hear that more than anything you know but i ain't going to church and all them hypocrites in church well there's hypocrites in the bar there's hypocrites in walmart there's hypocrites everywhere but you know what a hypocrite is it's somebody who proclaims one thing and then lives another the greek word for it or the context of it is in greek drama what what's the symbol for drama you guys anybody help me out to what we got a couple of masks, and there's a sad mask and a happy mask. But in reality, the dude who was the actor was always a guy, and he played the role of a girl, an animal, a guy, a guy anything. And in the back, there'd be a wall. And then the back wall, there'd be all these masks. And so the dude would come out put a mask on and be like, oh, I'm happy. And then he'd run back behind, and then he'd come out, oh, I'm sad. you know. And then he'd come out like, oh, I'm crazy, whatever. He would put different masks on, and that's the word hypocrite. Somebody puts a different mask on and they're not who they are. They're playing the role of something. And you know what? There's something that society admires about people who are honest, <laughs> that you can count on. They, they are who they say they are. And so when he says, pra- when we're talking about practice what you preach, the world doesn't want to see a hypocrite. The world doesn't want to hear you preaching righteousness and, then, and, you know, and not living the righteousness. And so we, a couple of things come out about all of this. Um, So uh, that's why I'm saying so practice what you preach so you can preach what you practice. And that can go both ways. Okay. so practice what you preach. And if you're preaching righteousness, but your practice is not that you're a hypocrite. But here's what happens in this world sometimes. You know what happens when we get discouraged? Have you ever been discouraged that you can't live up to the righteousness of Christ? Have you ever just said, man, God, I'm just not good. God, I just can't do it. Well, one, we're probably not counting on him. And two, we don't understand what forgiveness is. Part of living righteous is admitting when you're wrong. Part of not part of living right. It's not being righteous all the time. How many of y'all are perfect? Anybody here perfect? Go ahead. Raise your hand and be a liar right now. You just ruined your perfectness. No, part of being righteous is admitting when you're wrong. Admitting, God, I need you to fix me. And, and, and I made a mistake. Anybody ever had to say those words? I'm I'm I'm. I'm I'm s- what is a car I'm looking for? I'm s- Mike, help me out. I'm s-
1: sorry. Yeah,
0: but. Yeah, it's always I'm sorry, but. And it's no ifs, ands, or buts. So, so again, being righteous doesn't mean you're right all the time, practically speaking. What it means is when you're wrong, you admit you're wrong, and you're forgiven by God, and you're teaching everyone around you about for the forgiveness of God. And you understand there's consequences that come with it. But the wrong way to handle this is... So that you can preach what you practice is, is so you change the message to one you can live with. There was a word in, um, in the Old Testament God kept referring to Israel by. It's called iniquity. And what would happen is when their lifestyle didn't match God's word. Hey, Mac, when your lifestyle matches, doesn't match God's word, what has to change? Your lifestyle or God's word? Your lifestyle. Your lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, and, and so, but iniquity is when you change God's word to fit your lifestyle. Man, aren't you glad we don't do that in today's society? <laughs> aren't you so glad we're not redefining sin? We're not trying to take God's word and mold it in so that we can practice what we preach. But we're not preaching the truth. We're preaching a lie, and now our lifestyle and our societies are are mimicking that. That's not the way to preach what you pra, uh, That's not the way to practice what you preach so you can preach. What you practice. The idea is that when our lives are confronted, when we're confronted with a discrepancy between God's word and our lifestyle, what has to change again? Our lifestyle. Iniquity means to pervert it, to twist it, to change God's word to fit your life. We don't change God's word. We don't change his principles. What we do is we change our lifestyle. And that is part of the process we go through. And it's okay when when it doesn't match up. We are what's the word I'm looking for, Gary? We're wrong. Yes. How many y'all have a hard time admitting that word, saying that we're Brandon? You have a hard time? I'm wrong. He he does, Cheyenne. Wait till y'all get married. (laughs) Yeah. So it is. We have to admit I'm wrong, and we've gotta we've gotta get right with God's word. So again, practice what you preach. And if you're practicing the right, maybe you're not preaching the right stuff. Practice what you preach so that you whatever it is you're preaching mimics what you're practicing. The world wants to see God's word in action in us. Charlotte, do you have everything you need through God's grace and through his word and the power of his Holy Spirit to live a righteous life? Yeah. But that darn flesh keeps getting in the way, doesn't it? Not as often as it does with Seth, but you know, but he keeps getting in the way. So practice what you preach so you can preach what you practice. And man, he's been drilling that in my head. And that's what this, these two verses are about. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. 12, these three verses, sorry. And uh, so again, I'm going to read it to you real quick. Therefore, strengthen your hands which hang down. The therefore is there. Because in the past, he's telling, he's telling them you're in a race. This race isn't going to last forever. Run it for Jesus. And in other words, and what did he say that we're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on? Anybody remember? Are we supposed to keep our eyes fixed on ourselves and make sure our stride and all our mechanics are right? Are we supposed to keep our eyes fixed on the competition because everybody else is competition? As long as we beat them, we're in good shape. Is that what we're supposed to keep our eyes on? Are we supposed to think we're in the home stretch and be keeping our eyes on the crowd, like, oh, look at me. Is that what we're supposed to do? What are we supposed to keep our eyes fixed on? Jesus. The finish line, which is Jesus. We're supposed to keep them on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And we every time, man, we lose focus of him, we get him on one of these other things and it messes up. So he says, Man, because you know that he's gonna make you succeed, you know that you're gonna win this race, you know you're gonna look like Christ keep your eyes focused on him he says because you know that can all happen he says therefore strengthen your hands which hang down and your feeble knees we'll talk about that more and Anna's going to help us Richard going to help us talk about that and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed and pursue peace with who oh. can't you guys wait for us to get there pursue peace with all people and holiness Without which no one will see the Lord. So let's pull this apart. Again, every time we come to church, what do I ask you, Mike? Why are you here? And your answer is, oh, you got "Yeah, you look." He's trying to do it without even looking up there. <laughs> you got it. It's down. But the only way we can help each other see life from God's perspective is if we are living it ourselves. If you're not seeing life from God's perspective, you can't help anybody else do it. And so it starts with us, which we're going to get to. But the very first thing he says in here, in order to win this race, in order to keep going, in order to, to be as successful as you can from the time you're born again to the time he brings you home, and, and show the gratefulness you have for your salvation when you do get to heaven. He says, man, I, I want what's going to make you succeed is you're going to help others see life from God's perspective. And so look at this verse, verse 12. Therefore, strengthen your what? hands which what are they doing hanging down and your feeble. feeble knees now anna and rich uh, and, uh you just got done running this uh triathlon and and swimming and biking and all that i think they canceled the swimming part but yeah so uh what they call that a biathlon now or yeah. yeah okay but yeah but that's no slouch because how far did you run Yeah, she ran to my house in Fort Pierce and then some. She ran to Walmart in Fort Pierce, all right? That's where she, but yeah, she she ran. Was there any point in time when your body was tired and your hands were kind of hanging? And so what happens when your hands are hanging when you're running? You you, you start losing momentum, and and, and how about your knees? Did your knees ever feel feeble? Is that a good way to describe them, feeble? (laughs) They got tired. But what kept you going? Why, did you, why didn't you quit? Focus on the finish line. The, the, focus on the finish line. And now let me ask you a question. You have a partner there, okay? And uh, did, did he run with you? No. In spirit he did, right? But he, he, he didn't run physically with you. But what was <clears throat> he there to do? Yeah, and he was there at the beginning encouraging you. And he made sure you had everything you needed preparing you. In other words, was it easier to do it with him than by yourself? If he would have just said, hey, I'm going paddleboard with Pastor Eddie and we're going to go fishing. You go ahead and run that. Would would that have been easier for you if he was just out of your way? No. And and if it would have, just lie. No, no. you needed his encouragement. And he was there. That's what I asked him. You guys are a team in this race, right? It goes hand in hand. It was your body, but it's his encouragement, and you got and he helps you train and everything. And notice this, he says, in this, therefore, strengthen what hands? The hands. Is that your hands? Could be. Is it his hands? How about Tom's hands? He's over there playing guitar and you see him, man. His hands are getting tired. Man, you you really don't want us to help you strengthen that. But but no, (laughs) that would probably sound horrible wouldn't it (laughs) but listen man strengthen the hands which hang down strengthen the knees that are feeble whose knees and whose hands are we talking about anyone you see anyone who's got hands hanging and feeble knees what are we commanded to do here help them what if you don't know them Carl help them anyways what if they're in another country yeah, and help them anyways, no matter what. Look what he says. If he puts somebody in our path, does it matter if they're a believer or not? Doesn't matter if they go to your church or another church. Oh, I ain't helping them from that. No, fortunately, we don't feel that way here. What about what about someone who is? What about somebody who's just fought you, and fought against you for years? You see their hands weak and their knees weak. Do we help people that have given us a hard time? Or do we look down and say, ha, that's what you get. Finally, they got it. Thank you for answering my prayer, Lord. (laughs) Hopefully, He straightened your prayer out and you don't have a prayer of vengeance. But whose hands and knees do we help? Jack, who do we help? Everyone. Anyone that we see, we try to help them with this. And so what do we help them with? Do we help them with whatever's gonna make them feel good? What do do we need to help people with? The truth, with righteousness, the right thing. Not just telling people what they wanna hear. You know what love is? Love is not giving people what they want. How many of y'all know that, that love is not giving people what they want? It's giving them what they need. Now let me ask you a question. Who knows what they need? Do you know what they need? Dude, If you, you don't even know what you need, right? <laughs> I need some love. I don't even know. How, what, how, who knows what somebody needs as far as love? God does. So you know how we help people? We ask God, what do you want me to do? All we have to do is recognize the situation that he's put us in. And especially believers, people in the faith... He's saying, man, therefore, he said, because you know to keep your eyes focused on this, man, strengthen any hands that are hanging down and any knees that are feeble. And so let me ask you a question. Do we start saying, okay, now, uh, Anna, I notice your your feet, your feet are starting to get kind of, you know, your strides messed up, your hands are hanging. And and he's like, pick your arms up, Anna, pick your, you know, is that how we strengthen people by getting them to focus on themselves? No, that's what the world does. That's what the world's doing. How about by getting them to, now, Anna, if you want to win, you better look at that girl in front of you. (laughs) You see her, she's, you better catch her. You better, man, is that going to strengthen you? Maybe temporarily. But again, what's strengthening you to begin with? What are you looking for? The finish. You're looking for the finish. And so how do we strengthen people? How do we help people who are down? People whose feet are weak and their hands are weak. You just see they're worn out from life. How do we help them get them to focus on themselves, on others, on, on the crowd? How do we help them to get them to focus on what? Christ. That's the truth. I can give you all kinds of other solutions and the world's full of them trying to give you the solution to your financial problems, the solution to your loneliness, the solution to your depression, the solution to To your housing situation, the solution to your country, the solution. I can give you all these things, but what's the only solution that's going to work for any of it? Christ. It starts with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And once you give your life to Christ, you're now his child. And is this your home anymore? No, your home is now in heaven once you surrender your life to Christ. You have a home in heaven. And so now you're his child. So who is responsible from the time you're born again to the time he brings you home? Who's responsible for taking care of you while you're on the job for him? He is. is. Who's responsible for getting you home? He He is. Yeah, he's responsible for all of it. So you see the real solution to any situation here on this planet? It's Christ. Now. We may need to help people in other ways so they can hear that. But the fact is, you help them in all kinds of ways, but you don't ever offer them Christ. They've got no real solution. Hey, let me ask you a question. Hey, uh, Susie, what happened to everybody Jesus healed? They died. <laughs> what happened to everybody Jesus fed, back? They died. Everybody Jesus resurrected, what happened? Lazarus, what happened to him? He died again. In other words, <laughs> Yeah. We can give people temporal solutions, this temporal life, but it's about an eternal life. So he said, Man, you see knees that need strengthening and hands that need a strength. He said, Strengthen them. And the way you strengthen the runner is getting their eyes focused back on what, Anna? The The finish, back on Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. So he says, Man, you have got to get to the point where you can help them see life from God's perspective. That's not just some bumper sticker, some mantra we put up. That is the solution, man. That's it. How many of you have taken that solution? It's worked for you. It's gotten you through stuff. Absolutely. So the only way you can help other people see life from God's perspective is what? Help me read this out. By what? By you seeing life from God's perspective. Because if you're trying to push that on them and you're not doing it. (laughs) What do you call it again? What's the H word? hypocrite you can't and that again doesn't mean we are perfect but man part of part of not being a hypocrite is admitting when we're wrong admitting we need forgiveness asking for forgiveness and then getting back on the path of doing things the right way continually doing that in fact i've told you numerous times karen we we talked about this The maturity you can tell your spiritual maturity by the amount of time between when you are convicted and the time you repent the shorter that distance is, the more mature you are as a believer. God convicts you and you're trying to convince him. No, 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 no. And then all of a sudden, all right, consequences are enough. I'm going, you know, all right, now right, I'll repent. This person right here, the minute they get conviction, the minute they repent, that, that's a, a more spiritually mature person. Because they understand God's right and I'm wrong. No ifs, ands, or buts. So, again, the only way I can help others see life from God's perspective is I see it that way myself. Look what he says now. And make straight paths for what? Your fee. In other words, if you're like, all right, dude, here it is, we're all in a race, and, and, and there it is, Tom, and we're all running to Tom. We're all headed that way, but I'm doing this, and I'm like up here, and I'm like, oh hey, you know, and, and I'm I'm you know, they're looking at me. You want me to run straight and you're like doing all of this? That's not the way it works. We gotta be an example. If if it don't work for us, hey, right, who's the best salesman? Who do they say is the best salesman? A satisfied what? Customer. Customer. Dude, you believe in a product. You're going to tell everybody about it and and they're going to buy it. They're going to want it. You're going to be convincing. And again, it's not that we're selling a product. But if you ain't buying it, (laughs) if you ain't doing it, if it ain't working for you, if you're not interested in it, do you think anybody else is? No. And so, man, he says, man, make straight paths for whose feet? Yours, you're in this race and you're telling them that the goal is to get right there and you're not going there. He said, man, you got to show them with every ounce of diligence you have. You believe that's the answer because you do, you know, through faith and grace. God has told you that is the answer. That is the solution. How many of y'all believe Jesus really is the answer? How many of y'all really believe heaven's your home? How many really believe everything is in your life by God's design? Man, then that's why we're beating a path there, not to sell something. Not when we get there, we're like, well, look how many people I brought, God. No, dude, that's not it at all. I'm going this way because I know I tried the other way for 26 years. And then I've tried this way for almost 30 now. And I believe this is the way to go. So he says, make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So let me ask you a question. He says, he says, make straight paths for your feet. And by the way, that word path is talking about the ruts, the chariots, as they would go through places, the chariots would make ruts in the dirt. And now that created a path. And so if you were walking around, if we're walking around in Haiti and we're like in the middle of nowhere, uh, just say us three, we're there. We get separated from everybody. Uh, Santa, Seth and I, we're walking through Haiti and all of a sudden we're in the middle of nowhere and we need to try to find a way back. What are we looking for? Yeah. A path, yeah. Santa, man, she's gonna take her machete and start bushwhacking, right? You know, you're looking for a path, right? So when somebody has laid a path, that's other people are gonna follow that path in hopes that it's gonna get them where they wanna go. Let me ask you a question, what the paths you're laying down for people Are you laying down paths that are going to get people where they want to go or where they can find hope in where they're going? You know, that's what this is talking about, the paths, the ruts that chariots made and people would follow those in hopes that it would lead them where they need to be. And, And that's what he's saying to us, man, make straight the paths for your feet. Make sure your paths are leading people in the way they need to go, whether they believe it or not. But you so believe in what God said that they're going in that path. And it's going to lead him that way. So that what is lame. Now let me ask you a question. He says what is lame and not uh, not be dislocated. What, who is that? Again, who, who, is, who, is, who is he talking about when he says what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed? Who's lame? He's talking about you? In making your path? Again, I think he's talking about everyone and anyone. You know, when somebody is confused, when somebody is... Is down when somebody is discouraged, when somebody is depressed, when somebody is confused, okay? That's what he's talking about, a racer that's lame. And so if you lead them down the wrong path, does that bring healing? Does that bring help? You know, Ana, do you ever get lost on one of those races? Yes. Seriously, you ever get lost? Because I watch some of these races, and how do you know where you're even going? Like, uh, the, do, you, do you memorize the race course the whole time? I mean, you try to, right? Huh? Oh, you're following others? Oh, okay. have you ever got lost following others? I remember one of my daughter's cross-country race, not her, she hates pain and sweating. No, I'm just, she used, when she was young, she hated that. She loves it now, but, but yeah, I can remember a whole group on a cross-country race got lost because one person took off the wrong way and everybody followed. And what about those people that are like, hey, this way. They're telling you which way to go, right? You know, uh, getting, getting misled in here. So, so, again, if you're tired, are you going to be as sharp and catch the wrong? Are you just, just going to be following? Okay, I'm just going. I'm going to make it, you know. You're not like thinking, this is not the right way because you're not sharp. And when we're dislocated, when we're discouraged, when we're down, when life is just beating us up, we need to be able to count on somebody leading us down the right path. And we know it's Jesus that does it. But when's the last time, hey, Mac, when's the last time Jesus came out of the clouds? Oh, and he sent angels. Da, 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 hey, Mac, come this way. Not yeah, not recently. Heaven <laughs> didn't break open and Jesus was like, Mac, my well, my, my favorite servant from Wisconsin, you know. <laughs> Come this way. No, dude, how did he speak to you? The word. The word, but you know what? Has anybody ever had Jesus in the flesh? You ever had somebody that Jesus used to speak to you, to encourage you, to lead you? How many of you have ever been Jesus in the flesh and he's used you to do that? Yeah, that's how he does it. Through his word, his holy spirit, and his servants. And so make sure we're listening so that we can help them see it that way. But he said, make straight the path for your feet. If you're not going the right path, you certainly can't be leading them down the right path. So when people are dislocated, when they are discouraged, when they're downtrodden, man, make sure you're leading them the right way so that they can be healed and not hurt and not led down the right road, the wrong path. So, again, we're supposed to help each other see life from God's perspective. But the only way we can do it is if we are seeing life from God's perspective. So that's our job to see life from God's perspective, no matter what's going on in my life. When anything happens in my life, I've got to see it from his perspective because he's going to use that in helping me to help other people. That's just the way it operates. That's the way it works. So the next part of this. All right. We've got perspective. So God wants to help others see his peace. He wants us to help others see God's peace. Now, I got to tell you a story. i How many of y'all know the traffic is getting a little worse right now? All right. I'm just going to, I'm confessing to you right now. You guys who do not live here permanently, you know I love you. God has given me a love for all of you. Seriously, not everybody has that love for you guys. You do understand that. You know, it's not like, oh, thank God they're here. Now we don't have a state income tax. Baloney! (laughs) We got a couple governor potentials is going to bring us that. But no, that, no, it's seriously, man. I'm just saying is like a lot of people don't like you guys. They, you know, because the traffic all of a sudden now, what used to take us 15 minutes is now taking 45. That's just the way it happens. And, and I was there for a long time until I became pastor of this church. And God broke my heart for the way I felt about all the extra traffic and all the extra people because I looked at them as an inconvenience when I didn't realize what God was doing is God brings 120 million people to Florida each year to visit. And the church has a responsibility. And I said, the church is me and I'm a believer. I have a responsibility. Why in the world is he bringing this person here for this short period of time? Why is he bringing them here to kind of move here? Why is he bringing them? Why is God putting this 120 million people across my path? And I had to confront myself with that. Because I was like most of the locals. And don't you new locals just shake your head at me because I, I, here's what I hear. I hear, like, uh, I, I hear people like their first year, they're all good with it. And then after they've been here a couple years, yeah, those, those tourists that come. Like, you've been here two years. <laughs> you, how, long, how long did it take for y'all got your local sticker for your car? Right? No, I'm just saying. Six month qualifies now. But seriously. I, I looked at it, and I was just like, man, oh, my life's inconvenient now. And, but God gave me a love. I cannot wait to see who shows up to church. I cannot wait to see who I meet on a daily basis, knowing that it's an encounter that God has set up. And some of the people that I have got to meet, not some of them, most of them, maybe all of them, there is a special love, man, that God has given me because I asked for that love. To not look at people as an inconvenience, not look at somebody getting in my way, but somebody, a human being, a soul that God has brought into my life. Like my son says, Dad, you complain about it. You wouldn't even have a church if it wasn't for it." I'm like, you're right. How many of y'all were born here? Let me see your hand if you were born here. Yeah, but you don't even live here. Oh, you do now. Yes. Yeah. So if you're born, let me see. Let me see your hand again. Yeah. So, so, dude, I have four people in church. You already think we have a small crowd today. It's like four people. If it wasn't, for, man, uh, you guys came from New York. I love you guys, man. You, Tom, where'd you guys come from? <laughs> you, you came from Pensacola, right? So that that counts. Man. But I'm just, dude. I'm just saying, man. You guys come from all over. I can't wait for Nina to come back every year. I can't wait for, man, for all of that. But I gotta admit to you. I had a fallback this past week. I got caught off guard, and it won't happen again, all right, because God broke my heart. I, I took Ashley. I was like, oh, Ashley, hey, you and Keone want to go up to Sam's from Fort Pierce. We'll go up to the Jensen Sam's, and I got to get a few things for Haiti. You know, we'll be good, and I just want to run up there and run back. <laughs> There's my first mistake. I, I, I didn't realize there are more people here now. I just was not prepared. And, and oh my goodness, I start getting, as soon as I got into Port St. Lucie, man, you know, you got blue angels all flying in unison in every lane, you know, 30 miles an hour and somebody comes ahead. So I got to rush up on their rear end. So if there's enough space, I can cut in front of them and move down and get 10 more feet faster and then keep weaving in and out of traffic. Man, all of a sudden, I just, Ashley's like, Dad, you know, and it isn't like I don't have an identifiable car. The pastor of Dripwood Church at the beach, that's him weaving in and out. And I can even take a Suburban and hop it over small cars if I have to. I've been doing this long enough, but I am telling you, by the time I got to Sam's, everybody in my car, which was Ashley and Keone, you know, Keone, we get in the car yesterday and Keone, like we went out of corner and Keone's going, Wee! <laughs> he really did, didn't he? <laughs> I drive like a surf, man. There's no need for brakes unless there brakes are for emergencies, all right? But but seriously, man, Friday, I lost my testimony, man, with my daughter. Will you forgive me? I'm asking you this in public because if you don't, you're just a sorry heel. No, I'm just gonna- <laughs> but, Seriously! She's like, Dad, she's shaking her head because I'm like you ever notice the people in front of you are idiots? You ever, they all, are, anybody been behind an idiot before? But you have said, that's what you call them, right? Oh, you guys have just moved here. Wait till you've been here two years in <laughs> long-term logo. but Literally, yeah, six months. Literally, man, I'm driving, I'm driving like an idiot. And I don't know what I actually like. What are you in a hurry for? I gotta get home and get off this road. I was just in a hurry to just get some peace and quiet again and get off this road. Dude, don't they know the left lane is, is not for you to ride in doing 30 miles an hour because 10 miles down the road you're gonna make a left? That's not what it's for. The left lane's a passing lane. The middle lane is for going. The right lane is if you're small uh, or you're, you're, uh, if, you're, if you're going slow or you need to make a right turn. And it's like, but that's why I don't use blinkers. I ain't got time for that stuff. No, I'm just saying, man, I'm driving and literally I'm watching my testimony. I'm watching. I am upset. I am messed up. And what I was not was a, an ambassador for peace for Christ on the road. And you know what the sad part is? After, all morning, i had been studying this passage. And I, I thought God had put the finishing touches on it. But he didn't put the finishing touches on it until I got home from that drive. And then he started convicting me about what I'm about to preach right here. Because look what he says in this. Look what he says in this next verse. Um, oh, hang on, hang on. He says, pursue what? Jesus. With who? Aww. Even idiots that don't know how to drive. I'm just, like me. See, isn't that funny because I'm thinking the person in front of me going slow is an idiot, they're behind me thinking he's an idiot. What's he on my rear end for? Because I want you to move over. Uh, One day, I think it'd be cool to invent some signs that you could have on top of your car where we could communicate. Don't you think that'd be awesome? We could type messages to each other. Hey, could you please move over and let me by? But we probably would like take it to another level and it wouldn't (laughs) work. But listen, pursue peace with who? And I'm going to tell you, man, God brought great conviction because I was not pursuing peace with the people on U.S. 1. And if I can't pursue peace with the people on U.S. 1, there's something wrong with me and my relationship with God. And if I still can't, I got to go down any river drive (laughs) (laughs) or take another route. But look what he said. Hey, does he say achieve peace with all people? No, because how many of y'all know that there's some people you just can't achieve peace with? As much as you try, it's going to happen. It's guaranteed. Paul even said that in the book of Romans. He said, be as much peace with all people as possible. Because peace, does it take, can one person achieve peace? Or does it take two? It takes two. And you can't control anybody else. You can barely control yourself. The only way you can control yourself is by, by being filled with the Spirit. So he says, pursue it. And I got to admit to you, that day I was not pursuing peace. I was just pursuing, getting home, and not going down that road again. Pursue peace with who? All people, no matter what. That's my first goal when I encounter somebody, according to the scripture, is to pursue peace. Carl and Val, I can do that with you because I just love you guys, man. How many of y'all can pursue peace with people you like? <laughs> Did you notice Jesus even said we're supposed to love everybody? Did he say we're supposed to like everybody? You find that in scripture. He said we can't, but seriously, we're supposed to love everyone and we're supposed to pursue peace with all people. Now, I want you to notice this next word and what? So what that doesn't mean is that we give in to sinful ways just so we can agree and have peace, which is what our society seems to think sometimes is that, well, if you disagree with me, you must hate me. And if you're going to agree, if you're going to love me, then you got to agree with me. Now, God has set the standard for holiness. And so, so again, that's why we might not be able to pursue peace, because there is one standard for holiness. And we both have to agree on that, to have peace in that. Or we've got to just agree to disagree. But we pursue peace with all people, but we can't compromise holiness. Don't mean we've got to be a jerk and beat people over the head with the Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. We live it out. But we pursue peace, but we don't ever sacrifice righteousness or holiness. There's things God says sin that's sin. And if it happens to be true in our life, we fix it also. So pursue peace with all people and holiness. So again, the way we help other people see God's peace is by seeing God's peace in our own life. And look, look what he goes on to say. It's the last part of, the, of, of verse 14. We're going to stop here today. He said, without which no one will see the Lord. That's an interesting passage. He says, pursue peace with all people and holiness. So we're supposed to pursue that peace. He says, if you don't pursue the peace, then where are they going to see it? Look what he says. Without which no one will see the Lord. Let me ask you a question. On, on that road, when I was driving like that, Ashley, was Jesus in our car singing praises? Oh, you're such a good... Wait, I'm just going to perform a miracle. Watch this. We're gonna, I'm going to let you make every light, brother. No. He stopped me at every light. It was like... He was trying to get my... Look what he says, without which no one will see the Lord. Did you, you thought you were gonna see the Lord that day? That honey, that's why that's why I drive that way, because I want you to stay so tight with Jesus <laughs> all the time. She, she's like, Oh Lord, I'm seeing us <laughs> all so he's right there. But seriously, if they don't see it in us, who are they gonna see it in? When we're cantankerous, when we're not being loved, when we're not promoting peace. Where are they going to see it in? Because peace comes from the Prince of Peace, which is Christ. So no one's going to... How about this? When I was driving, was I seeing seeing the Lord? No, dude. All I'm seeing is a bunch of traffic in front of me. How do I know? And God's talked to me about this before. How do I know he wasn't saving me from some debilitating wreck where I'd become a quadriplegic by slowing me down, putting the blue angels in front of me so I couldn't pass? How did I know that? I didn't. But if I'm really trusting him, then I'm going to trust in his sovereignty and go through with all of this. But I wasn't. So I wasn't seeing the Lord. Hey, how about those people when I passed them and I was like, oh, I'm getting the other lane. <laughs> hey, were they seeing Jesus in me? No, and I wasn't that dramatic. I kept the windows rolled up. <laughs> she heard it all, though. <laughs> you know, she heard it all. So I, I'm not saying it's right, and I am trying so hard not to. Do it. In fact, on my way home, I'm probably going to take US1 just to test my testimonies. US1, we call that during season the hell simulator. <laughs> it really, it can be, if at all possible, take Indian River Drive or the or A1A. But uh, you took a. Hey, Didn't you all the way to the boat ramp? You took US 1 yesterday, didn't you? But he is a man of patience. (laughs) I would like to ride in the car with you while you're doing that. Not the people behind you, but in the car with you. (laughs) So look, man, here's what he's saying, man. Without which no one will see the Lord. Hey, what is God? What did he leave us here to do for? Why didn't God just take us to heaven the minute we were born again? Seth, couldn't you be happy in heaven right now? You can have that master's degree and not even have to finish this semester, you know? You can have everything. It'd be perfect in heaven. But what did he leave us here to do? Be ambassadors for us. Ambassadors for him. Hey, how was my... What kind of grade would you give me on being an ambassador Friday afternoon driving home from Sam's? Yeah. <laughs> Never mind, it wasn't a good one, was it? Seriously. That's my only purpose for leaving me here is to be an ambassador for him. If they don't see peace in me, who are they going to see it in? If they don't see it through Christ, who are they going to see it in? Where does Jesus live right now? Tom, where does Jesus live? Inside us. Inside us, yeah. He's not living in a church building. He's everywhere, whatever. But the way he chose to represent himself to the world right now is he lives in believers. And he's supposed to manifest himself through believers. But we gotta walk in the spirit for that to happen. Say this and we'll end. Some little girl one time, she made a very just wise statement. She said, If God is so big and He lives inside of us, shouldn't He stick out? Amen. Think about that. But it wasn't God sticking out the other day when I was driving. So again, I'm just telling you guys in this situation, we got we gotta practice what we preach so that we can preach what we practice. I hope that makes sense, do you think about that? I don't want to change what I practice just so it matches what I want to preach, you know. I want to preach the truth and I want to live, I want to be able to practice the truth. But the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I can remember, oh, that's a different thing, if I can remember that that my job here is to help others see life from God's perspective, the only way I can help them see it is if I'm seeing it that way. And one of the ways, is to show them what peace looks like. And I can't do that if I'm not living it. So again, it's not about me, it's about others. And the more I fall in love with God, the more I fall in love with who? And and, and which people is it that I fall in love with? Yeah, not just my friends that are on the boat with me. It's all people, everybody. But it starts with being in love with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. and. Um, calling us to yourself father um i know sometimes we want to hold grudges we want to be angry at people for doing things that um weren't wasn't right but father help us understand that there's nothing anybody could ever do to us that's worse than what we did to you and you forgave us and you forgave us perfectly you've forgiven us of our past our present and future sins when we surrendered ourselves to christ When you gave us faith to believe that what Christ did on the cross pays for all of our sins. And you gave us faith to believe we have a home in heaven. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that is not sure about that. I I don't want to talk them into anything because the devil can talk them out of it. But, Father, I just pray you would speak to their heart. The way you spoke to mine, I thought it was ridiculous. All the times I heard it until you made it real. So I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would just make the good news, the gospel, real to anyone who doesn't have it today. And you give them a desire and ability to surrender themselves to you and trust all of the unknown to you, knowing that it's going to work out. That's why it takes faith. But Father, for those of us that know we're your your children, we know that we're going to heaven when we die because of what Christ did on the cross. Father, I'm just admitting for me, there's a lot of times I don't act like it. And I've seen these guys out and they don't act like it either sometimes. But Father, I pray that we would be able to act like it. I pray that we would be able to see everything in our life from your perspective so we can help others see it that way. I pray, Father, that that you would use us as ambassadors to experience your peace in our life in every situation that comes about so that we can then show others what your peace looks like. Because, Father, as this world gets more and more depraved, as things get more and more out of control, as... Earthquakes shake things and governments are so unstable and corrupt, Father. What this world needs is some stability. That What they really want is peace. And if they don't see it in us, I don't know where they're going to see it. So help us, Father, to always point each other and everyone we meet back to Christ. By the way we act, not just by the way we talk. Help us practice what we preach so we can preach what we practice. And it'll be all the same. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.